This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. Happy Monday to Kim McAllister. Hey, happy Monday. Happy, happy uh, Super Bowl Monday, right? The po- the day after the big loss. Well, I guess not super happy. Not super. I'm okay. I feel like it's my fault. This whole 49ers loss is my fault. Wow. Because I don't normally quite an watch. Ego on you there. I, it really is. <laughs> I don't normally watch. Like, I don't normally get involved in all these things. And this year, I watched the whole Super Bowl. Like, I, I had a little bowl of chips on the table like I did my whole Super Bowl thing and I kind of tried to get into it and I think I I tipped the balance or something you ruined like everything I, yeah if you're people that are superstitious like you know if you don't watch then you just don't keep watching keep doing the same thing you're doing and the good stuff will happen but because I watched I should have not paid attention that's well that's you know my bad. Last, you know I don't know. I think you are the fun one. I think you were the fun one today on the Mark Thompson show. Oh, is that so? All right. Yeah, so Felicitacion. You know uh, what's you oh, Felicitacion is. You know what's not so fun is this whole Waymo thing. The do you hear this car? I thought of you immediately. They they there was a Waymo vehicle in Why, Chinatown. Why cuz it was a dumpster fire? Yeah, they set it on fire. They <laughs> threw a, a firecracker <laughs> in it. Uh, yeah, so Look at um, that. Yeah, a crowd in uh, San Francisco's Chinatown surrounded Waymo Robo Taxi on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, happy Lunar New Year! Uh, broke the windows and threw fireworks inside, setting ablaze the the vehicle. It happened around Jackson's. It's um, on Jackson Street near Grant Avenue around 9 p.m. And we actually have video. Um, you ready? Look, I mean, check it this was out? packed. The whole place yeah. was packed. This is crazy. Check this out. So they're tagging the vehicle. They're, oh, now they're breaking it. Come on. Yeah, they shattered the back window. No, they set it on fire. People are talking about not going down there. They're filming from a ways away. There's people yeah. all over the streets. This is dangerous. Now, the first thing I'm thinking about is like, that's an electric vehicle. So that means that mm-hmm. all these batteries full of lithium and whatnot, whatever chemicals are in those batteries, are now. Uh, being sent into the air. Do you think that's a... Do you think that was just a bunch of hooligans? Or do you think this is a statement of how people in San Francisco feel about these robo-taxis? I mean, these are obviously young people, and the, the guys that were started the fire and smashing the windows, they were like skater hooligans covering their faces, you know, as mm-hmm. cowards. Um, it, it's just... It's one of those crowd mob mentalities. I don't yeah. think, you know, it was an organized thing, so obviously. But here is the... Uh, wreckage oh lord because the the fire department came by um and just basically drenched it and uh covered the whole thing with as much water as possible Mm. but if you're breathing in that smoke you're breathing in chemicals so that was really stupid Mm -hmm. that was dumb um is there animosity towards the tech companies yeah but i i don't think it's widespread i think i mean it's like anything the the noisy people the the you know if the city gets trashed after the super bowl is that everybody no that's not Mm -hmm. everybody I was talking oh. to Nikki about this earlier where there was a remember the the people that got stuck in the back of a Waymo vehicle recently mm-hmm. and there was like somebody trying to break into the car or something uh, they said that he was standing it was like a it was a homeless person so I, I imagine they were on drugs but they were he was blocking the sensors 
And that what they say is you're not supposed to try to get out of the vehicle if someone's attacking from the outside, right? You're supposed to stay in. I would and say there's a limit to that. You exactly. If they're, if they're throwing firecrackers in, you yeah, got to get was out. No, there was we should know there was nobody in that vehicle. Can you tell if there's someone in the vehicle? Yeah, I mean, you would be able to see through the front. I know the windows are tinted, but I think you're able yeah. to see. You're able to see, especially after you break the window. But um, I was no, thinking they, they're pretty lucky no one was in that car. Yeah, I, I don't think they attacked it. I, I don't think they would have attacked it if there was somebody in it. Um, right. It's just more of an anarchy thing, you know, kids mm. tagging. You know, that's how kids are. It's like the Wild West on the streets of San Francisco. They should probably keep those cars out of, like, areas that are, um, you know, the fo focal point of a celebration. Right. You know, like, you know, it's Lunar New Year. There's people in Chinatown. Like, don't have should. it in the Castro during Halloween. Don't have it in Chinatown during Lunar New or Year. Set a perimeter. Right. You know, but people yeah. are drinking. Um, I'm willing yeah. to bet my lunch uh, that there was <laughs> alcohol involved. Yeah. Yeah. So well, let's move to our orca whales who uh, got trapped in some ice off the coast of Japan. Yeah, you did don't you see, see this, this last week? very often. I didn't see this story. This pod of orcas got trapped by a drift of sea ice off the coast of Japan's main northern island of Hokkaido, mm -hmm. and it looks like they managed to find their way out of it. But let's watch the video. Yeah. So we can talk over this. Uh, yeah, they're speaking in Japanese in the back here, but they had this drift ice, right? And the orcas were seemingly stuck, and they were for a period of time. And there was concern about whether or not they should go in and try to break up the ice. And the government uh, initially was saying that they couldn't do anything, and then other people were saying, "What are you talking about? You have ice cutters, and you know you could you could break up the ice and create right. a, an escape route." But Mother Nature figured it out. And the orcas were um, able to free themselves as gaps grew between the drift ice. So, yeah. But there you, there you are. So they did a search for these whales for about two hours, um, but they they couldn't find them. So they think they just swam away and that everything was all right. Hopefully. Um, the ice is melting away, I guess. They say there's no other need for any rescue efforts in this area. Um, they can't confirm it for sure, but they say they're confident the whales found their way out, made their way free from the ice. So, yeah. But uh, that's a pretty sketchy situation. You would think they would be able to, sw I mean, swim under it. But I guess if you swim under and then you come up and there's nothing, there's no way for you to surface and get right. air. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Yeah, kind of a group think, uh, panic yeah. attack maybe. Um, meanwhile, in Washington State, did you see this? A a woman in Washington uh, <laughs> caught a bear trying to enter her home through the doggy door. No, no, no. no Not no, big no. enough for you. Um, she's a very <laughs> impressive setup of security cameras. Um, she, and she recorded the bear as it approached the back door of her North Bend home. The video is completely entertaining, but it also makes me a little worried about waking up in bed with a bear next to me. Uh, the video uh, shows the bear attempt, attempting to squeeze through the doggy door, uh, which turned out to be too small. Uh, she said the bear also tried unsuccessfully to push its way through her windows. <laughs> See there? Uh, we live in a rural area and encounters are a normal part of life. It's one thing uh, we must enjoy. Um, one of the things we must enjoy about living in North Bend, Washington. And then here's one final photo you can see trying to get through that little doggy door. Oh, look at that. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, impressive security camera. Better than most of the uh, 7-Elevens <laughs> with the grainy video. Um, let's talk about slot machines for a minute, if we could. Okay. I saw this story on eBar. I forget what it's called. Oh, it's a Bay Area Reporter, right? Mm -hmm. 
And it's kind of an LGBTQ kind of publication out of San Francisco. But they have this article that circled around music and gambling and how soundtracks for slot machines are actually chosen. So I thought that was pretty interesting because every slot machine has its own music, its own sounds that comes with it, right? Yeah. You think they're all very similar, but they, and maybe they're similar, but they're all totally different, just based on that theme, based on everything right there. So um, there's an Australian casino online offering hundreds and, and hundreds of games. So the user doesn't only play for money, they enjoy sound row. They say the right music helps to concentrate on the gameplay and bet at the right moment. So the music kind of prompts you to do what they want you to do, put more money in, that type of thing. Mm. Um, and so they're talking about how they end up choosing the music. And they talk about um, the importance and the quality of music in our lives, how it makes us um, affect our mood and express emotions, how finding the right music can become different, uh, difficult because there's so much of it out there. So then there's always the chance of being demonetized. That makes it difficult. Yeah, we don't want to play. We're not going to play the music. No, <laughs> they look at musical trends. Um, they look at the, they use the Internet. They. Uh, they use audio technology, they do all of these things. And mastering the art of selecting quality music, apparently, uh, you have to be open to new sounds and new genres to kind of always keep looking for the best new sounds. And I thought that was kind of interesting, just how you know, it's somebody's job out there in the world to come up with the sounds for slot machines. Yeah, a little yeah. DJ, a little, uh, well, they what have the money to pay, they have the money to pay for them. That's right. Um, you know what someone else paid for? This giant dragon sculpture made from approximately 38,000 balloons in a this Hong Kong shopping mall. Really cool. It, almost the texture of it almost looks like real snakeskin. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, It was awarded a Guinness World Record. Balloon Whoa. artist uh, Z Tai Wilson Pang and Kun Long Ho led more than 60 volunteers in constructing the sculpture. The, the finished dragon measured 137 feet long earning the Guinness World Record for the largest balloon sculpture of a dragon. That's like a very niche category. Uh, the sculpture was created as part of Chinese New Year celebrations and will remain in place until the end of February. The <laughs> artist said the biggest challenge was to make sure the dragon remained in one piece without any kind of non-balloon support structure. Wow. So there's no non-balloon support in that. That's wow. So that's interesting. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, let's take another a close look here. You can see... There's the mouth. And you can see how big it is next to that. Wow. Okay. Pretty cool. Yeah. That's very creative. Someone has yeah. a lot of talent. Look at the way they did the teeth. Yeah, that's interesting. It's cool. How many balloons? 380,000? Uh, 38,000. Oh, 38,000. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a lot. Guinness Book of Records. Then what do you do with it? I mean, do they slowly deflate over time and the I'm sure, dragon yeah. gets smaller and smaller until finally yeah, until it's it, a little mini dragon? Until it's a noodle. <laughs> until it's a bunch like of rubber deflate. on the floor. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk about this sea creature, if we could. Because there's an ancient sea creature. Not a dragon. No, it's not a dragon. Although it kind of looks a little dragony. It's been extinct for a half a billion years. It's called a pleurocystidids. Hold on. Pl pleurocystid. Yes, a pleurocystid. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it it arrived in the ocean right around the time the jellyfish arrived. Okay. But the way it moves and its muscular nature has made it really popular when uh, folks that are developing robots are looking at ways to use biomimicry to base um, their robots on an animal form. Okay. So they've they've used this pleurocystid on for this new robot. Watch yourself. I have video of the pleurocystid robot. Are you ready for this? Yeah, as long as you pronounce it a different way, slightly different way, every, every, time, every single be, time, be, it'll please me. Thank you. I'll do that. Yeah. Okay. Just watch so, out for the TIT. Yeah. Here it is. So we're looking at a robot with a, it's got like a tail. Yeah. It's got like, like grappling hook and a claw mouth. Right. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting the way it moves. Now, Maybe it would move better through liquid. You well, think? until the until the uh, electronics are exposed to the liquid. Perhaps I don't know, but I just I find it uh, interesting that this is the one they chose, and they chose it because of its um, its body structure and because of the way that it moves. Um, this one. Uh, designed by Carnegie Mellon University researchers, they looked at more than 500 million years of, um, you know, animal fossil records for guidance. And the result is pr presented during the 68th Biophysical Society annual meeting. It is an underwater... It's a hard ticket to get. It really is. Not everybody gets in. No. Sorry, Mark Thompson. Uh, it's an underwater soft robot modeled after one of the sea urchins' older oldest ancestors. So the pleurocystid swam the ocean about a half billion years ago. Thank you. Every time I say it, it's success, right? Uh, it's it was an ancient precursor to sea stars. It's got a muscular tail-like structure that allowed them to better maneuver underwater. So researchers took CT scans of the fossils of this pleurocystid, and they fed the data into a computer program to analyze and offer mobility simulations. Was it AI? It, well, I don't know. But uh, they said it involves side-to-side -side sweeping tail motions that allowed it to propel across the ocean floor. And that's also what fossil records indicate as yeah. well. So they think the animal's tail lengthened over time, making them faster without the need for much more en energy expenditure. And so that is how what they looked at, the engineers, to build their own tail-touting soft robot pleurocystisid. Now, I don't know exactly what this robot is supposed to do, the soft robot that goes Take through over. the sea. Well, it, it was evolving, so feed it a little AI. Throw it out into the ocean. See what happens. What's see the what worst happened? that could happen? What could go wrong? Why not? <laughs> they think maybe they could use it to help with underwater machine repairs. Like, I don't know, maybe right. your boat rudder's broken. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but who knows what it could be used for, right? Yeah. Maybe it could be used for something like, remember when the um, the Titanic rover exploded? The, you know, whatever it was called, the submersible? Yeah. Maybe it could be used to scour the ocean and look for people that are missing. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting that they based or, it uh, off that that creature. Some, somewhat submersible. Yeah. Um, too soon. Uh, <laughs> somewhat submersible. We need Turned to out West. not to be so submersible after we all. We need to thank West <laughs> T for $5. Thank you, Wes. Wes!
Yes, woohoo! We appreciate that. Thank uh, you. Wes is posting Monday, some really funny pictures uh, during the Super Bowl oh, yesterday. That's true. Starting yeah. our Monday off uh, on the right foot. We appreciate that. Yeah. Um, there was a story that you touched on with Mark, but since mm-hmm. we discussed it last week, I just wanted to quickly uh, bring it back up. The Guinness World Record re- uh, Records people have reversed course. You remember that this guy built the uh, the Eiffel Tower out of matchsticks, but he mm-hmm. he had ordered like I think it was something like thirty thousand of the matchsticks from the manufacturer without the head, without the striking yeah. match head, and then they rejected it. Now they've reversed course. Um, now, uh, we're not going to take credit for that. Uh, we'll let Mark take credit for that. But um, I thought it was kind of funny that that this all happened. And, of course, there was a public outcry. And you can see what happens when there's um, pressure applied to any organization, right? They're yeah. like, yeah, you guys are being ridiculous. And I think I think they were, they were right to reverse it, right? Because it was made out of matchsticks. Right? It was just yeah, so, not the right, not the kind they wanted. But they do this on purpose. The folks that create they, they things do this out of matchsticks all the time. So, well, they do it so that they don't, they're not flammable, so that they can't catch fire. That's oh, why oh, they okay. take the match head sticks yeah, yeah. off. The yeah, match the heads stick, off. Yeah. yeah, the people who build these things. But yeah. yeah, I mean, for them to like say, "Oh, you spent eight years building this out of matchsticks," mm-hmm. it doesn't qualify because you cut off the ends. Uh, that was ridiculous. So I just wanted to. Uh, to share my piece on that, I think it, it was ridiculous, and it was. It, I'm glad that they reversed the uh, the ruling. Aren't you? Yeah, I am yeah. too. Well, yeah. I, I just felt bad for that guy. Eight years of his life building something so cool, and it's like for what? Well, I mean, yeah. I guess it's still pretty cool, whether you get the world record or not, right? Yeah, very cool. Can you know what? Talk- it's not cool. <laughs> Cyborg locusts. Cyborgs might be cool, but s- locusts. <laughs> Cyborg locusts could one day help in search and rescue missions You're right alongside the creepy the, creepy crawly digital right. yes. cyborgs today right alongside the pleurocystisid we have the cyborg locusts they think and listen to this this is so creepy this is so like sci-fi movie so when you don't thing. have spiders or you know real creepy insects to bring mm-hmm. us you bring us uh, uh artificial ones they think that injecting nanoparticles into the brains of locusts will harness their smelling sense, their olfactory senses, and help in search and rescue type missions. So now apparently we're tampering with locusts to get them to do our bidding. This is not know. going to end well. They have it and as you say what else could go wrong uh they have this ability these locusts to hone in on food sources they have a really good sense of smell it's um it's because of their impressive olfactory senses that is are powered by the antenna that they um are able to target fields certain crops and just come in and you know raise them down right um and so researchers previously integrated this biological tool into robotics to develop a new generation of bomb sniffing search and rescue aids. And now another team at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, is experiment- experimenting with harnessing these bugs themselves after augmenting them in to cyborgs. Apparently, we can already use locust sense of smell by recording the signals of electrodes attached to their brains, but those results have been a little unreliable. So to solve that problem, scientists led by mechanical engineering and materials uh, science professors 
injected infrared sensitive nanoparticles into the brains of locusts. That's what they did. Are we done working on cancer? Can spend, spend your time <laughs> no, working on cancer. We're on we're on to locusts now. Okay. Come on. This is what we're doing. And so, yeah, it's it's uh it's a pretty creepy thing. This is what we're doing. And I guess it's working out because the you know the research continues and eventually maybe we'll be able to control them and to use them or maybe to not. do whatever we want them to do uh, mm -hmm. when we're busy controlling ai uh heather says i've always wanted to command an insect army <laughs> that, well now you have your chance and west i have saying, the job for you and west saying oh lord many zombie movies start like this it's, it's like, exactly yeah it's like it's it's like a kid playing with fire so ai is dangerous enough like oh, oh okay let's manipulate uh with nanobots really and put them out into the world they're they're injecting into their head these tiny additives made of a silicon shell encased protein core first imbued with octopamine which is a neurotransmitter associated with an insect's fight or flight instinct when exposed to infrared laser light the nanoparticles emit chemicals to boost brain activity tied to the locust's olfactory sense and this makes it easier for science to locate that specific neural activity and use the electrodes to identify chemicals in a common lab test set it's freaking this is freaking me out the story's freaking me out so it's more proof of concept than anything else they have to do still a lot more your robot army this isn't Heather, the end is of the not world quite yet. ready it's still, for you it's still proof of concept we're, 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 we're working still out working the, on it we're, yeah. we're working out the bugs as we're donald saying there was an x-files episode uh about this yeah where they control the bees and then they use that plot for the um 1998 um x-files movie do they not? Did the researchers not see these movies? Because yeah. why are they doing this in real life? What they want is for these it's proof these, of concept. So they need they, to prove. That they it, want it the will cyborg locusts to detect medical issues in humans, locate explosives, or um, key in on environmental contaminants. That's what they want them to do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, portions redact the saying, Kim. I'm going to say Kim addressing this to you. You're you're utterly disturbed to bring us these creepy crawly stories, people. <laughs> Kim people. Hey, it is what it is. You are the fun. Locusts, you are the life of the party. That well, not today. The locusts are coming, and they're coming with nanoparticles in their brains. Locusts and just remember, coming it's our summer twenty twenty four. It's our own fault. We did locusts this. Locusts coming summer twenty twenty four. We did this with the locusts, and so if they come and they take over hu humanity, they take over the world because we made them smart and we made them do this. That. That's our own fault. Yeah. Adios. Uh, I almost said a bad word. Adios. Way, uh, sayonara. <laughs> sayonara, sucker. If you don't know what locusts look like, by the way, here's the locust. Oh, I was going to say we were okay not knowing. Yeah. They're locust like grasshopper looking. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Imagine moving... them with little nanoparticles in their heads. They're like, mm, please beep, report beep, beep, robot. Beep, 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 beep. We like yeah. appropriate music for our invasion with our lotto <laughs> machines. Uh, moving on, you're welcome. Uh, John Hopkins researchers are making progress in developing a blood test for psychiatric disorders. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it doesn't involve any bugs. John Hopkins researchers uh, say that they're getting closer to developing this blood test that would identify changes in the brain associated with psychiatric and neurological disorders, an advance advancement that could enable doctors to detect the early signs of mental health emergencies. In a study published last month in the peer-reviewed scientific journal... 
Can you guess which one? Plus one. No, molecular psychiatry. Oh, nice. I like that one. Researchers that, focused yeah. on the potential particles <laughs> called extracellular vesicles to provide a window into what's happening inside a person's brain. Extracellular uh, vesicles, are, uh, they're like 5G. Now, they're fatty sacks of uh, genetic material. Can watch what I'm saying here. I like fatty, fatty, nice fatty, fatty sack. sacks of yeah. genetic <laughs> material. Speak slowly and clearly. Enunciate. Uh, they're released by every tissue in the body, including the brain. Um, the scientists, with a very difficult to pronounce name, uh, assistant professor of pediatrics in John Hopkins School of Medicine, and the paper's senior author, compared them to rafts that travel between cells. They sometimes carry messenger RNA, a type of molecule also called mRNA. We're familiar with them, right? We've got our vaccine. Yeah. Uh, they contain the instructions on how cells should make proteins. It's basically a way of cells communicating. The study, um, led by the John Hopkins Children's Center was inspired by a previous study at John Hopkins because they're busy over there at John Hopkins. Uh, the study found that the communication between cells is altered in pregnant women who go on to develop postpartum depression after they give oh. birth. Oh, interesting. In the new study, scientists first proved that mRNA from specific tissues are found in extracellular vesicles circulating in the blood. Then using lab grown human brain tissue derived from stem cells, scientists found that mRNA in extracellular vesicles released from brain tissues reflected mRNA changes happening inside those tissues. According to the researchers, that means it's possible to gather biological information from hard-to-access tissues like placenta or the brain by mm. examining mRNA inside of extracellular vesicles circulating in the blood. That, those results suggest that mRNA in extracellular vesicles are likely an ideal biological marker for identifying brain disorders that involve mood, schizophrenia, epilepsy, and substance abuse. So this is pretty Interesting. cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, if you want to read more about it, just uh, Google John Hopkins Psychiatric Disorder. You'll find that story. Pretty cool. I have a sad story to, to tell you about. I'm yeah. sorry, you guys. You're a bummer today. I know. That creepy stuff. Sad stuff. If I can find it. it's Here it is. It's about the dead monkeys. Jesus. Cam. Oh man, We're, somebody asked, opened up the show with a comment asking, like, I can't wait for, like, I'm sorry, I don't want to show you the that after picture party. Anymore. You saw yeah. it. It's Looking dead for monkeys. some Monday cheer, says Jim Shields. <laughs> <laughs> Kim's here. Let me tell you that uh, somebody tried to bring these kind of dehydrated monkeys into the United States at Boston's, uh, I think Boston's Logan uh, Logan Airport, yeah. yeah. A US Customs and Border Protection dog sniffed it out. Someone had it in a suitcase. Sorry, sorry, I know, that's why I took it off the screen. So um, the dog sniffs it out of this luggage. This traveler is returning from Africa with a suitcase full of mummified monkeys. This yeah. is not something they see every day. The passenger returning from a visit to the Democratic Republic of the Congo reported that the luggage contained dried fish, but an inspection no. shows the four dead monkeys, the bodies dehydrated. The traveler said he brought the monkeys into the United States for his own consumption. So he's going to eat them. Yeah, we were calling you the fun one. I, I tried, Kim. I tried, but Jim says saying, Debbie Downer of the after party. Who eats dehydrated monkeys? Is this, am I looking through like my ethnocentric glasses? Is that what I'm doing right now? Because I can't even imagine. 
Raw or minimally processed meat from wild animals, sometimes referred to as bush meat, is banned in the United States because of threat of disease. So you can't bring that into America. The potential danger. Well, you posed shouldn't by... be eating monkey brains anyway, because even if it is like a delicacy where you're mm. from, like you, that's how the diseases spread. And mm. right, that's how every movie like starts with the as you know. And we know it's the prions and like the mad cow and the, just stop. Don't, don't do it. There's other. There are other things to eat. Mm-hmm. The port directors say bush there are other can, things to smuggle. Bush meat can carry germs that cause illnesses, including the Ebola virus. So yeah. don't do that. The discovery of mummified monkeys was in January, but it wasn't made public until Friday. No charges will be filed with this, but all the luggage belonging to that traveler who had been to Central Africa was seized. And it was about nine pounds of bush meat, and it's now being completely destroyed. But what a find. Barf. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Deidre. Yeah. Um, okay. Can we You're move welcome. on? Yeah. Do you have any other disgusting stories? Happy like, to be here, Pratt. Oh, I'm, I'm like... can come up with more. You better believe yeah. it. Um, this one, Chernobyl's mutant wolves. That's right. Chernobyl's mutant wolves appear to have developed. There's some good news to this. Maybe have developed resistance to cancer. Wolves exposed to cancer-causing radi- radiation as they roam the wastelands of the abandoned city. Uh, with researchers finding part of their genetic information system seems resilient to the increased risk of disease. Uh, so these are wolves here roaming Chernobyl. Uh, we know that the nuclear uh, reactor exploded at the power plant there in Chernobyl in uh, 1986 with more than 100,000 people evacuated from, uh, from the city as the blast released cancer-causing radiation. Um, this area has remained eerily abandoned ever since. You know, they call it the exclusion zone, right? And put into place to prevent people from entering a, a 1,000 square mile area where the radiation still poses uh, mm-hmm. a risk. Um, although they do have a um, tour, and my friend went on a tour there. To is, Chernobyl? Yeah. and um, I wouldn't yeah. want to get anywhere near there. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, we're thinking alike here. Yeah. Humans may not have returned. Um, well, there must be an area where they can't and then an area that you can, right? Uh, right. Because obviously. How about none of the above? Because <laughs> obviously you can't go where it's like too dangerous and you'll, you know, Ooh, get ill and die. Seven radons is fine, but, you know, 20 right. is bad. No, no radons. So they've been studying how these wolves survive despite generations of exposure to the radioactive particles. It's interesting, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's. The doctor involved here, the evolutionary biologist. Her name is Dr. Love. Oh, I like him. Uh, perfect for uh, f- perfect for Valentine's, right? <laughs> she said uh, the collars that they give the team um, that the team is using have real time measurements of where the wolves are and how much radiation they're exposed to. They also take blood samples to understand how the wolves' bodies respond to cancer causing radiation. They discovered that the wolves are exposed to upwards of eleven point two eight millirem of radiation every day for um, every day of their lives, which is more than six times the legal safety limit for a human, right? Dr. Love found the wolves have altered immune systems similar to cancer patients undergoing radiation Hmm. treatment. But more significantly, she also identified specific parts of the animal's genetic information that seem to to be resilient to the increased risk of cancer. A lot of research in humans has found mutations that increase cancer risk with the presence of a variant BRCA gene making it more likely that a woman might develop breast cancer or ovarian cancer, for example. But Dr. Love's work has sought to identify protective mutations that increase the odds of surviving cancer. Uh, The pandemic and Russia's invasion of Ukraine have prevented Dr. Love and her collaborators 
Dr. Love and her collaborators, <laughs> from returning to the exclusion zone in recent years. She said, our priority is for people and collaborators. Therefore, we have to be as safe as possible. Um, they did uh, present their findings at the annual uh, meeting of the Society of Integrative and Comparative Biology in Seattle, Washington. I know I you missed that one. I love those guys. Those are yeah. all, yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's sad that, you know, yeah. these animals are being exposed to radiation, but good news if we can figure out, you know, something in terms of uh, possibly uh, something that can prevent cancer. Right? <laughs> Louis says Chernobyl mutant werewolf coming to a theater soon near you. Chernobyl's mutant wolves coming summer 2024. Uh, Donald says, yeah, wait until their mouths open horizontally instead of vertically. Aww. Ooh, that's creepy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, thank you. Um, okay. Let's, can we, before we take a break, let's talk about Saturn's, one of Saturn's moons. Not Uranus? Not, you know what? You're such a child. Yeah, I know. Um, one of, one of Saturn's moons, apparently... Uh, might be hiding something very secret. And this is... We'll get the wolves off the screen. Yeah, this is um, a a sea, a secret ocean underneath. Mm-hmm. Saturn's, Can you bring a photo? Yeah, no, I didn't, but I will. Saturn's Death Star moon might be... That sounds ominous. <laughs> it looks like the Death Star. Here, let me show you the picture because it looks just like... Well, not just like, but it's very similar to the Star Wars Death Star. I'll show you. Well, you are Debbie Downer but, today. <laughs> no, that's not Debbie Downer. That's, mm, oh, mm, shoot. Mm, 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 oh, man. Mm, mm, Hold on. I'm having trouble. Here's what it looks like. I'm going to show it to you. I have to share screen instead of save a picture. There's different ways we can do it. So, yeah. um, but here's way. There's the here's... prepare the, the prepare the photos before the show. But that's yeah, a different. That's, that's a what different it looks way. like. Does that not look like the Death Star? <laughs> Uh, like if it was made out of a lighter cheese, yeah. Like <laughs> it's it's because it's got star. this thing on the end. Right. It looks like the Death Star. Absolutely yeah. looks like the Death Star. So yeah, so this thing, and that's an artist's depiction of it, by the way. But that's kind of what it looks like. This is the moon Mimas, M I M A S, and that is it orbits around Saturn. It's a small moon that does resemble the Death Star from Star Wars films because of its big old crater in the... Is it going to you know, kill us? <laughs> it's gone. No. Are there nanobots? As a matter of fact, there are not nanobots. Cicadas? It's not going to kill us. It could actually be the thing that saves us. <gasps> what do you mean, Kim? How could it save us? Well, apparently, it's hiding, possibly, a global ocean beneath its icy surface. It's a strong case that Mimas is hiding water, which, of course, is a Mimas, why to are you life. holding out on us? <laughs> we know it. And it could help scientists gain a better understanding of where to search for habitable worlds in the vast, deep expanse of space. Scientists previously thought Mimas was just a big chunk of ice. Before, NASA's Cassini mission studied it and some of its 146 moons, Saturn and one of its 146 moons, orbiting the ringed planet between 2004 and 2017. And they finally, they, they um, realized by collecting all this data that Mimas's rotation and orbital motion experience changes triggered by the moon's interior. That's why they think there's some liquid going on there. 
so possibly a big ocean. They determined in 2014, European researchers, that either a rigid, elongated, and rocky core or a subsurface surface ocean is causing the moon's rotation and motion. And so they've analyzed this further to see which scenario is most likely, and they published Wednesday in the journal Nature, and they say the moon's spin and orbital motion didn't match up with uh, a pancake-shaped rocky core. Instead, looking at its orbit over time, it looks like Mimas has an internal ocean that shaped its motion. The discovery adds it to a club of moons with internal oceans, including Enceladus and Europa. But the difference here is this ocean is remarkably young, about maybe five to 15 million years old. So remember, it's it's not the size of the ocean. It's the motion of the ocean, baby. It is young and very yeah. So yeah, we, we could have another ocean out there. Look at that. Well, Places for um, us to live. Another planet for us to destroy. Another place to send Elon. That's right. <laughs> Sayonara, sucker. Uh, let's take a break. And yeah. uh, we'll be back right after this on The okay, After Party. Let's do it. Live. Woo. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience. And without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. And we have people to thank. Yay! We do have people to thank. As a matter of fact, Beth F. among the people to thank. Kathy O. as well. Heather K. And Lee S. Thank you guys all. Yes, you all are the huge sodas of the After Party Live. (laughs) Huge, huge appreciation for you guys. Remember, huge soda is a compliment. Yes, a huge soda is a compliment. Trademarked by Michael Schur. Another huge soda popping through is our friend Wes. Oh, you already clicked on it. My bad. Oh no, me, me, you, you, me, this me. Is why, yeah, this is why. Yay, Wes! Thank you, thank you for the five dollar. He clicks, I unclick, but I think I'm well, clicking. That's why, like when you have a like a an it's airplane, a only yeah. one person can pilot at a time. Is that why yeah, we yeah, have this? Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you to John Daly for flying the plane, and thank you to Wes for the five dollar super sticker. We know we you have it. a choice of airlines, and, <laughs> and uh, we, we thank you for flying with yeah. the after party. Thank yeah. you, Wes. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's talk about IQ. Okay. Okay. Do you always uh, have to do you always have to talk about IQ? I mean, how many times a day do you have to tell me that you're smarter than me? How many no, times? Not me. This oh. this this woman, <laughs> this young la- well, young lady, I should say, she's 17. Um, she has an IQ higher than Albert Einstein wow. and Stephen Hawking. And uh, she's taking all the advanced classes in uh there in uh, jolly old England. Yeah. Um, but she's calling for more support for gifted pupils as she admits that teachers struggle to keep up with her. Um, so her name is Manur Shima. She's 17 from over in England. She said that when she arrived in Britain at nine years old from Pakistan um, or Pakistan, as John mm-hmm. Rothman would say, her school refused to let her move up a year, despite quickly getting through her classwork uh, set up by the teachers uh, there at her primary school in um, Berkshire, uh, Berkshire. The teenager said that she was given extra maths. You know, they say, they say maths, mm-hmm. M-A-T-H-S, like maths, a math class. Mm-hmm. Instead of being allowed to progress uh, to the next stage of her education, uh, Ms. Shima said that the institution also put her in a group uh, set up to encourage children to make friends where they would uh, make pancakes, she told the, the Times. 
The schoolgirl has an IQ as high as Albert Einstein's. Um, oh, as high. Earlier they said higher. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> is it higher than Albert Einstein's or is it the same? Um, when she moved to, maybe she could teach the person writing this article to be consistent. When she moved to her grammar school, she uh, claimed teaching staff would actually try to discourage her from sitting uh, from her sitting exams. They claim that she was mm -hmm. overburdened and had dark circles under her eyes. Uh, that's slightly racist yeah. uh, as somebody who suffers from this Middle Easterner. Um, when her parents got involved to help their daughter, who was at the end of her uh, tether, they were labeled as pushy. The family said they expected more from the grammar schools, which uh, was one of the reasons why they returned to the UK. Uh, frustrated by the lack of understanding, Ms. Chima's calling for more support for smart students in state schools across the nation. I feel like we're wasting so much talent in the UK, she told the, the, this outlet. I think there's so many kids who have uh, had talent to do so much, but it's wasted because no one recognized their potential or knew what to do with it. I think this is part of a bigger issue where everyone kind of goes through the same system, right? Mm -hmm. And it's either you're in the regular class or you're in the honors. And yeah. um, you're either and, and the focus is on academics and there's really no focus on, you know, kind of um, what do they call it? The uh, the trades. So they call it differentiated learning, where mm. they test you and they figure out, oh, okay, you have a higher aptitude, or you, maybe you have a lower aptitude, right. or whatever. The and I don't know if it's a it's a problem for kids like her, um, but she's also a Mensa member. Well, to make there's it a that more obnoxious. The <laughs> the focus of the funding goes to teaching the kids on the lower end and trying to bring them up to the middle. Right. Yeah. And it's always been my thought that if you have a kid that is what they say, say gifted or whatever, um, if you have a child that is academically uh, on the high end, right. those are the kids that, you know, we don't have to worry about those kids. Right. They're right. already fine. So who are we going to worry about? The kids that we need to bring up, the kids that can't read. So that's where the money is. But it's always been my thought that both ends of the spectrum are special needs. So you have special needs for kids on the low end, they need extra help and to be brought up. And for kids on the high end, if the problem is if you don't keep them interested and keep them challenged, they check out. And then what do you have? Completely lost potential. A kid that is really bright and really smart and just is checked out of school, is bored, is not paying attention, what have you. So you really are doing a disservice to everybody if you don't focus on both ends, the high and the low. Yeah. Instead of just focusing on getting everybody to the middle. John saying that IQs are BS. I mean, the whole, that kind of system of putting a number on somebody's intelligence is BS. But I mean, obviously mm -hmm. if you're if you're at the high end of all these things, then obviously you must yeah. be uh, rather smart. This reminds me of a story um, when I was in sixth grade I'm not going to name names, but uh, one of our uh, we had three sixth grade teachers, and we, the class would rotate, right? Mm -hmm. So, depending on the subject, and one of the teachers, his system was to put students in groups of four, so four tables next to each other, four desks, and he would take an A student, a B student, a C student, and like a D student, and put them all mm -hmm. together. And here's where the problem comes: like I was the A student, obviously. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, in this group, and, and see what I mean, uh, everybody. See what I mean? No, I'm kidding. No, I'm, I'm making fun of myself. Uh, it's called self-deprecating uh, humor. Uh, so the problem here was you. Your grade in this class was part individual and part group. Mm -hmm. So my grade 
was brought down because of other people, other students who were struggling. And I thought that was wrong. My father thought that was wrong when he went to the, mm. uh, what do they call that, back to school or teacher's night yeah. or whatever. He Julia, by the some... way, Julia's having the same problem with math. Oh, really? My dad went a... on a rant about like socialism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 communism may have come up. Uh, but my dad went off on the teacher. Um, and the problem was I, I basically... I, I, all the higher achieving students were basically roped into yeah. uh, tutoring the other students right. instead of just focusing on our own work. And uh, that, Which, that wasn't cool. The outcome shows that if you can explain things to someone, you'll do better as well. Right. So it's good for people who understand the concepts to be able to explain there it in are a different students way. students that have no interest in achieving no at all and at are all. goofing off and they're not serious. So if you're no. stuck with students who are not serious, and I can see his face right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then you're, you're there's no hope, right? So Julia has to take two math tests on as they, as they come to the end of every unit, right? Okay. She has to take an individual math test, and then she has to take a group math test. And she was so proud of herself that she had maintained a 100% average. She had lost no points in math yeah. until she had to take the group test. And then somebody else got a question wrong, which affected her. And so then she had like a 97% in math instead of 100%. I don't 100%. think you should be tested as a group. Um, yeah, least, it's it, a bummer. It, it, you may be tested on knowledge, mm -hmm. but I don't think it should affect your score. Because, you know, people are trying to get into schools, right? Yeah. Why should you be brought down by someone else's? I mean, I would say that's a lack of the, the, yeah. the teacher should be spending extra time with that student and getting them up to speed. It's not it's not the other student's job on on top of doing their homework to uh, tutor the other students it's one well, thing to help but it's another thing to be judged based off on it and well john failure. let's go straight to the teacher okay Lori says it's extremely hard for teachers to create different lessons for kids on the high end lots of teachers make them tutors yeah. i refused yeah that's true mm -hmm. you're basically you, like you know how to read go like, help that kid yeah right. like let's fast yeah. forward you you're out of school mm -hmm. now and now we've uh we've recruited you to be a teacher and you're not getting paid right Bad right. enough the teachers aren't getting paid enough. Now we're going to make the students unpaid uh, assistance. I don't think that's right. And it's really hard to bump a kid up a grade. My niece was bumped up a grade because the teacher's like, there's nothing I can offer her. She needs yeah. to be. But it was this weird situation where she has a January birthday. Mm -hmm. So instead of starting in September, kindergarten in September, she had to go to the next year where she started at the age of six just because of where her birthday fell yeah. so you know and usually that's fine usually waiting a little bit doesn't hurt a kid but in her case it really did so yeah interesting yeah. well there you go and that's the go. story of iq yeah. um let's see i can't wait to see what this girl does with her albert einstein iq i hope she comes up with the most amazing things stay um, humble my friends but we're not we're gonna go straight to <laughs> entertainment news we're gonna veg out the <laughs> okay, um, um, yeah. I saw this story today. Oh, uh, You know how Amazon Prime started charging people if yes. they wanted to skip the ads. Well, mm. it's only a matter of time before the lawyers got involved. Mm -hmm. Amazon Prime video ad tier has sparked a class action lawsuit from subscribers. The lawsuit aims uh, at, the, uh, it's taking aim at the e-commerce giant uh, for turning on the ads on Prime video and charging them an additional fee uh, for the ad-free tier. Mm -hmm. um, a proposed class action lawsuit filed Friday in California claims breach of contract and violations of state consumer protection laws on behalf of users who saw their terms of, of their subscriptions with Amazon change when it pivoted to making its ad tier the default for its over $100 million, uh, I'm sorry, over 100 million subscribers. In 2023, Amazon, which declined to comment for some reason, 
announced plans to turn on ads for all Prime users. The platform last month rolled out the change, instantly turning the service into a streaming ad juggernaut and the largest ad-supported subscription stream. At least we'll have, they'll have the money for the uh, the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Users must pay an additional uh, $2.99 per month to watch without ads. But when Amazon altered its terms, users who had signed up for the annual subscriptions were also impacted. They allege the change is deceptive. Subscribers must now pay extra to get something they already paid for, according to the complaint. In addition to being unfair, the suit alleges that Amazon illegally benefited by advertising Prime Video as commercial-free for years prior to launching its ad-supported tier, which harms both consumers and honest competition. Proposed class action suit seeks at least $5 million in a court order barring Amazon from engaging in further deceptive conduct on behalf of its users who subscribed to Prime prior to December 28, 2023. It brings claims for breach of conduct, or, sorry, breach of contract, false advertising, and unfair competition. Doesn't among other say, alleged violations of consumer protection laws here in California and Washington State. Doesn't it say somewhere in the Prime Video contract, and pretty much any contract, by the way, we reserve the right to change terms and conditions anytime we damn well want to? Um, maybe. Maybe it says, like, in a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, but obviously these lawyers have access to that, and uh, and they're they're coming for them, so there must did be you, something there. Did you pay the extra two bucks for no commercials? Uh, I don't pay for Prime. My sister okay. has Prime, and she lets. I'm like a family member. Yeah, but so, <laughs> I think I give enough money to Amazon. Yeah, I think you probably do too. Well, I did about, not pay like, the extra two dollars. I was like, "There's no way." There's I no actually way. Don't watch, I don't watch Prime. I haven't. Maybe I've watched one thing on Prime. I'm just so yeah. taken up with everything else. Mm. Hold on, I have to. I have to readjust. Kim has to reboot. Pardon me, everybody. Okay. Oh. Her assistant speaking... isn't there. It's difficult. <laughs> I've, my headphones are falling forward. My hair is all jacked up. Where's your stylist? I need. Uh, I <laughs> let's get talk. another sparkling water in here. A green tea. <laughs> Where's I my green M and M's? I said Coachella. How hard is it to remember? <laughs> okay, let's talk about this show. Did you see on the Super Bowl uh, ads? That they had ad? this. They had this weird ad called Fire Country. They had right. two of them, as a matter of fact. They used it yeah. twice. Thirty second spots on uh, CBS. It's they a show. It it's a show on CBS. During the Super Bowl. Yeah for this new TV show called Fire Country. And this show is centered on California firefighters, virus, fire, blah, blah, firefighters fighting wildfires. I'm taking away one of your dings. <laughs> taking away a point. Yeah. Apparently, this show sucks so bad. It's <laughs> so unrealistic that even Cal Fire came out with a statement oh, condemning no. it when its first season came out. They're like, yeah, no. In the ads on Sunday, they show a firefighter sitting alone in a room watching as B-roll footage of fire country firefighters is projected onto a wall. He stands, he faces the view and he said he viewer and he says, Every time you suit up could be the last chance you'll ever yeah. get to lay it's it on the line. Dramatic. To fight with the person next to you and for the person next to you to be remembered as someone who faced the fire and never flinched. Lori says, I like that show. It's not new. Second season. Yeah, yeah, Lori, you're right. Yeah. Details, Kim, details. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not new. Yeah, no. Fire Country uh, <laughs> focuses on Bode Donovan, who's a Northern California man volunteering as an inmate firefighter in order Bode? to get time. Uh, Bode. There is no I-E. It's B-O-D-E. Really? Bode. Yeah. Oh. Well, you know who would know? Lori. Lori, can you is it let Bode us know or Bode? If, it's, if it's Bode or Bode? Maybe it's a typo, but his name is Bode. Bode yeah. Donovan, according to the article. 
Uh, he had robbed a liquor store at gunpoint and was trying to get prison time shaved off. And so like, I saw that commercial Florida. and laughed. Yeah. Why isn't this not Florida? Uh, he serves alongside professional firefighters as they fight the state's wildfires. Mm. We do know that our inmate fire program in California is a little controversial. They make just dollars a day. They are doing dangerous work. But Fire Country doesn't look at any of that, sidesteps all of these. The show is inaccurate to the nth degree, dramatizes conflicts between inmate firefighters and professional firefighters, which just doesn't happen. It's one of Cal Fire's major complaints with the show. Cal Fire says this TV series is a misrepresentation of the professional all hazards fire department and resource protection agency that Cal Fire is. The dramatization of our inmate firefighters fighting members of Cal Fire is a poor reflection of the value of our camps program and the incredible work and leadership of our fire captains who supervise our hand crews. My pr biggest problem with the inmate fire program is that after you get out of prison, here you, it's, Bo, oh, it's pronounced Bodhi, she said. Okay. After you, you after you get out of prison, you have all these <laughs> firefighting skills, right? But you can't get hired as a firefighter in the state of California if you have a criminal background. Right. So it's contra it's controversial. Well, thing, it, so program. you, you get time shaved off your sentence and that's great. Right. You're also helping the state. You're helping, right. you know, but this show the people is glossing of California over, survive. The show's glossing over all the details. Like that. They're not fighting with the, with the Cal Fire people, right? Yeah. Right. So they're focusing on the drama, basically. And that's not um, right. That, that lead actor there on the right, his name is Max Thoreau. And do you know he is from Sonoma County? Oh, really? He was raised in Occidental. And his great-grandfather is someone you may have heard of. M.H. DeYoung. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's from the DeYoung Museum family? Well, I mean, DeYoung isn't of the museum. They named it after him, but it was they own the Chronicle, the founders of the Chronicle. So he has enough money that he could have said no to this really crappy TV show? Well, is this is his first lead because he was in Bates Motel. Did you ever watch Bates Mo Motel? No. I'm sure Lori did. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was in Bates Motel and he was actually he was like the brother it was a good I mean it's cheesy but it's also yeah. it was like good and cheesy at the same time I would say um, but anyway yeah yeah okay well he should have said he sh this is one of those roles maybe he should have turned down but Lori likes it and so maybe it's a great show but in, Cal in Fire end, says no thank you I think that's what really matters yeah <laughs> Lori, Lori does a lot of hard work you know she keeps Mark Thompson in line so we, we'll give her yeah, credit where credit's it's the due. truth you know who else was working very, very hard? Mm. Michael Jackson, and because of that, the 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 um, his music catalog is worth over one point two billion dollars. Wow, that's what his, they're valuing. Meanwhile, the music his family doesn't have a lot, right? Didn't they have to sell off Neverland Ranch? And oh, right, his um, estate was broke. Oh, the estate was broke. I think a lot of people in his family do have money, but I don't know the details there. But Sony Music buys a stake in Michael Jackson's catalog, valuing the rights at over $1.2 billion. The deal, which is likely worth as much as $600 million, mm. includes half of the late star's publishing and record, uh, recording master's catalog. Um, in what could be the largest valuation ever of a musician's assets, Sony Music Group has closed an agreement to buy half of Michael Jackson's publishing and recorded masters in a deal that sources say valued those music assets somewhere around $1.2 billion. Yeah. Other sources have suggest as much as $1.5 billion. Uh, all at those valuations, Sony will pay at least $600 million for its stake. That means that the Jackson deal, which closed late last year, is a bigger valuation than the $1.2 billion that Queen is currently seeking. 
And whereas the queen valuation includes sources, say, royalties from income streams beyond the masters in publishing, including uh, from Freddie Mercury, uh, the Freddie Mercury biopic, Bohemian Rhapsody, and theatrical productions using their music, Sony's deal with Michael Jackson's estate does not include royalties from the Broadway play and other the theatrical mm -hmm. productions, including um, Jackson's music. So, um, but that's interesting. Um, big, big money yeah. and big, big music. Well, some music news from the Super Bowl. She kind of takes a page from Taylor Swift, who gets up at the Grammys and announces a new album is coming. Beyonce, in a Super Bowl ad, announces... Like, I see your Grammy announcement, I, and I raise and I'll you do it at the Super Bowl, Bowl. You think you're on screen at the Super Bowl, Taylor? Nope. Mm -mm, I am. Beyonce is back with two new country tracks. One is called Texas Hold'em. and one tracks? is called Yeah. Oh, she's one really going for Taylor. 16 Carriages. It is um, a Verizon commercial that starred Beyonce, and it ended with her saying they're ready drop the new music uh and then people are like is she serious like is there really new music coming mm. well her is that all she said in the commercial no she said other things but that oh. was the most important because that means new music is coming well because of everything else she said was like fantastical like i didn't think it was real really? like i thought she was just saying like in this hypothetical world you know well, because the whole out... commercial, the premise of the commercial is that they're trying to see if Beyonce can break the internet, break Verizon's coverage, you know, the capability yeah. uh, by making announcements, right? So I didn't think it was real, but it's real, you're saying. Yeah, on her Instagram page later on, uh... she uh, teased an act two on March 29th. So her album uh, in 2022 was called um, Renaissance, but people call it Act One. So that there would be an act two coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is interesting. Uh, the the music that she had, the two new singles, the country singles she has out, are on her official website as well. So, yeah, Very I think cool. we're going to see something new from Beyonce in a year again, where Taylor Swift also has an album that she announces coming out. So they'll they'll go head to head again, probably for best album of the year. We'll see. Um, and then they'll get Kanye involved. Yeah, uh, he'll interrupt on stage. Uh, did you see the uh, Usher news? Other than the um, technical difficulties, did you follow that there were technical difficulties no, with his microphone? Because if you see well, the beginning of the performance, he sounded yeah. kind of washed out and you couldn't really hear him. And he had that it's... weird microphone that was distracting. It was like it yeah. came out here and it looked like a Burger King McDonald's well, the whole, headset. The whole Super Bowl sounded like that to me. Oh, really? It sounded like the, the audio was somehow muted. Mm -hmm. Like it was mush, mushy? Yeah. Um, but the other big news is that uh, he, he and his girlfriend, Jennifer, uh, obtained a marriage license ahead of the Super Bowl uh, halftime show. Oh. And um, yeah, it was uh, obtained Thursday in Clark County, um, but it hasn't been filed apparently. But the two were first linked together as a couple in 2019 at a birthday party. And since then, they've had two children together, one born in 2020 and the other in 2021. Um, Usher also has two children with his ex-wife, fashion stylist Tamika Foster. So congratulations to the happy couple. Yeah, there were a lot of negative uh, comments and reviews about the um, about the uh, performance, especially, uh, I would say, the older boys and girls on Facebook uh, or some of our former colleagues mm -hmm. uh, were saying like, oh, I didn't know I didn't like Usher. And then oh. <laughs> other people were saying, no, it was like it was a great performance. Um, yeah, I think the uh, the energy level was a little weird at front uh, at, the, yeah. at the front, uh, the beginning of it. And maybe that was coupled with the, the audio problems. But um, yeah. Once he got into some of the hits, it started getting better. And then they brought on Alicia Keys. And that was good. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then my mom was happy. And then um, <laughs> they should have had more Alicia Keys. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was kind of, I don't know. It was, I, I wouldn't say it's the best halftime show I've seen. 
in the last five years. Oh, Luis, thank you. $5, the After Party Live, always serving up huge <laughs> soda of entertainment. Thank, thank you, Luis. Luis. Yeah, we so appreciate that. I'm curious that. to see what you guys yeah. think of the uh, thought of the halftime show. I thought it was kind of like, eh, like if the audio was better, yeah. and maybe if they uh, uh, cut together the, the bigger hits in a... And sometimes I get frustrated because they'll like they'll gloss over a big song and they'll do like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and then they'll go on to a song I've never heard. Um, so as a producer, I thought it was a little kind of disjointed and all over the place. But yeah, it yeah. wasn't my cup of tea. But then I texted Nikki and she's like, I love it. It's the best. So I was like, OK, oh really? Whatever. Yeah. Um, did you see something else at the Super Bowl was the foot thing? The whole foot washing ad. You know what's funny? I actually didn't see this commercial because I was doing laundry and I got up and apparently then I saw you and Mark. Uh, we have a, like a group chat yeah. and you were texting about Jesus and, and what did you like Jesus having all the money to to be able to uh, to have a, an ad on yeah. the Super Bowl. Yeah. So can you Jesus. explain it for those of us that actually so missed it? There's this spot and it goes to like, you know, you see here a police officer washing the foot of someone who looks to be homeless or um you know, I, I don't know, a nurse washing a patient's foot or a teacher washing a student's foot or uh, somebody, pe basically people washing each other's feet. And the feet that are being washed are the feet of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Murphy. The feet that are being washed are people who are, you know, downtrodden. It was what it looks like. Yeah. And so it's a religious thing, right? This right. is what it's a religious thing about because Jesus washed people's feet, whatever. But Murphy's got it right. Because this ad was what seven million dollars, and right. she says, I "Have to bring that back up." Um, yeah, you know what Jesus likes people who feed the hungry instead of buying seven million dollar ads. So the question becomes: Is it more important for the religious folks behind this ad to try to convert people or sucker them into going to their Jesus website, or is it more important to actually do the work of Jesus Click and instead like and of subscribe instead of spending this how many followers can get can Jesus get instead of spending the seven million dollars on Super Bowl ads yeah. feed the people that need to be fed right. house the people that need to be fed so this is the he gets us people so it can, um, comes on after all the foot washing which this my the, son looks at me is and that, is like what are they doing this is that yeah. nonprofit that's funded by the hobby lobby guy right? that's ex what i was going to tell you they're yeah. they're backed by the billionaire hobby lobby co-founder david green and <laughs> david green <laughs> yeah and so he says uh well one of the ads said jesus didn't teach hate he washed feet he gets us all of us okay well so this is the same. This is the same group that was an uh, anti-abortion group, uh, right? Was uh, very much against LGBTQ folks. Uh, the uh, the signatory, which David Green, uh, whose company fought against the Affordable Care Act's contraceptive mandate, yeah. and then had that legal battle with the transgender employee who wanted to use the woman's bathroom, oh, admitted Jesus. he helped fund this. <laughs> the signatory is also known as the Servant Foundation, and they donated $50 million toward the Alliance Defending Freedom, which the Southern Poverty Law Center deemed an anti-LGBTQ hate group. He sounds like one of the money changers. So what one, would Jesus do? Well, Jesus would not be doing all of that. So you can sit here and throw your money at this ad showing me how wonderful you are for washing people's feet, but you are not wonderful to people. You are judging them. 
all pretense, no substance. Thank you, Knit One Pearl One. The um, images include a police officer washing a man's feet, a woman seemingly part of an anti-abortion protest, washing a girl's feet outside of a family planning clinic, and a woman washing another woman's feet as protesters surround them. Oh, wow. They're trying to turn on the, the guys watching. This is not what it seems to be. Deborah, indeed. I will stick with our friend Satan. Hell yeah. Shout out, Deborah. I'm more about drying people's feet off. Making sure they're not too wet. You know, we don't like moisture down in hell. I wondered, Satan, how you felt about the He Gets Us ads. You're spending so much time trying to convince people that you're good. It's like, come on. Oh, we get it. You're Christian. You're great. You're pious. Boring. (laughs) Do you imagine going to one of their parties? Oh, hell no. Well, people, people will, were posting on X after this. Jesus didn't teach hate. He licked, he liked feet. He licked Wait, feet. he licked feet? He was kinky. I knew there was um, something about that guy. Always, like, hanging out with a bunch of dudes. Like, they're all, like, hanging out in there, his, like, little, uh, like, underground place, right? They're evading the authorities, and they're wearing sandals. It makes sense now. Jesus had a foot fetish. I get it. That's what, and that's what people are saying. One guy writes, yeah. A plus to the marketing team that paid $7 million to let us know Jesus was in defeat. Yeah. Hey, everyone has their kink, you know, and he did a lot of good work, allegedly. Thank so, you, Deborah. I appreciate that very thank much. Thank you, Deborah. Yeah. Let him have his feet, you know. Um, it's just weird. It's a weird moment. You know, the ads were weird and it was... And then when you find out who's behind them, it's kind of, you know... Well, anybody who spends that much time telling you how pious they are, like, you know these people in real life. It's Mm -hmm. like, why don't you spend that time go working at the, you know, at the the food bank or whatever, you know, or do do, actually do something to help people. Stop telling people how great you are. We joke about Satan, of course. Um, But I think both you and I would find if there was a religious organization that truly meant to help people would be totally in support in favor of it. Yeah. But it seems like most religious organizations, organized religious organizations have something about keeping people down. Either it's either keeping women down or, you know, it's well, you think mo- about how molestation or My it's problem like is the something's overhead. wrong. Think yeah. about the overhead, yeah. so much overhead in, in organized religion and the, the amount of corruption. I'm not saying all churches are corrupt, but it's yeah. like you see like the Joel Olsteins when he's not being shot up, but like that, yeah. all those huge mega churches right. and the, and the, the lavish lifestyles they're living and you know, jet right. set and, uh, mansions. That's it's not what Jesus scam. was about. So it's all right. scam. And of course, people are, and then they, they, they take advantage of those who actually um, mean well right. and believe, you know, the, the grandmas and the grandpas mm-hmm. and the people who are like fervent believers yeah. and they're extracting money from them. So I, I would say that's evil. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not good. That's not what Jesus would do. And if you look at what Jesus said he would do, uh, not that he was recorded talking about gays or anything like that, but like of all the things he said he would do, it was like the opposite of what a lot of these people do. They're full right. of hate. Right. They're not turning the other cheek like you didn't even read the book, dude. So you don't I don't need your lecture. After all that, I need a drink. (laughs) Well, lucky for you, there's plenty of time. There's an open bar in the back um, and it is funded by Wes. $5 super sticker, Luis, $5 super sticker and Deborah with 
our $10 super sticker shout out to Satan. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you also to Beth F., Kathy O., Heather K., and Lee S. for uh, the ongoing contributions to the After Party Live. We couldn't do it without you guys. Hope you have a great rest of your Monday afternoon. We'll be back here to do it all over again on over Tuesday. Again. And we'll have a Travel Tuesday. And don't forget that tonight is the next California Senate debate. So check that out on Cron 4 in the Bay Area. And I think it's KTLA in Los yes. Angeles. So uh, look for that if you're so interested. I'm Bill Kim Katie McAllister. Porter. That's John Daly. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>